welcome to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Saturday morning again, one week closer to live. The show will be going live Saturday, April 27th, 7 to 8 a.m., uh, I'm excited about going live. I'm looking forward to talking to all you folks. It's April. Let's face it. There's plenty of problems in the in the gardens at this point. Insects starting to show up. Questions about what to plant and when to plant and who to plant and all of that fun stuff. So, you know, going live. And then the following week, following Saturday, we're going to go 6 to 8 in the morning so we'll have to get you up early get that cup of coffee in you i'm going to need an iv uh to get up that early i am not a morning riser but this radio show gets me excited so i'm sure i'll be able to roll out of bed so here it is uh you know it's four six uh april 6th i just turned 43 days ago i made it it's it's an exciting time. Um, spring is a tough time to have your birthday, but I enjoyed every minute of it. Um, my wife actually threw me a surprise party in February, and uh, she completely got me off base. So, um, you know, I started uh, celebrating my birthday long ago, so um, it's been a, quite a ride, but uh, I want to thank my wife for uh, surprising the heck out of me and pulling a good one. And uh, touche, I will get you back. Just remember that. So, um, But what I want to talk about is we're selling plants. Uh, it's time to get out in the garden. It's time to get that fertilizer on the lawn. It's time to do all the things that need to happen, um, get some extra pruning done. Uh, we're going to be talking with Tim Lindsay from uh, Bartlett Tree Experts Um He'll be coming in and talking to us about a whole host of different things, whether it be preventive maintenance. You know, people don't realize that if you do a little bit along the way, you don't have to do quite so much when these plants get mature. And also, you know, disease insect problems. We're going to talk about, you know, why hire a licensed arborist, which I think is a very important topic. Uh, but what we'll do is we'll start off with a couple questions, and then we'll bring Tim in and... Uh, Excited he's going to be in the studio here with us, so we're going to have a nice interaction. But we'll start off with uh, Jessica and Standish. When do I start fertilizing my perennials in the garden, and what should I use, and how often? Well, that's a that's a good question. It's a quite broad question. Uh, let's face it, uh, an organic fertilizer is a good way to go for a broad base of perennials in the, in the garden. Uh, I like the Espoma line of, of, of fertilizers. It's a good low feed it feeds the soil it's got a lot of micronutrients you know low and slow is what i like to say on perennials uh certainly you know for early blooming perennials we don't want to push them past flower or push too much growth but you know a good plant tone is a is a good choice for that my suggestion is do it right around now and then maybe again towards mother's day or memorial and then we'll kind of let things kind of settle out until later in the summer um but a good general all-purpose um you know fertilizer is going to be a spoma plant tone um good way to feed the soil always thinking about feeding the soil the other option is you know adding a nice layer of compost or uh, or composted cow manure is another nice naturally organic way to feed the soil and feed your plants early in the season 
always important. You can start putting it down as soon as the ground is thawed out, you know, but just be cautious about putting too much. Uh, the organics are more forgiving. If you want to go with a more synthetic fertilizer, certainly can. I would just wait a little bit longer, you know, wait till things are actively growing and, and kind of moving along probably early to mid-May um, before I would get too excited about that. We'll talk a little more about trees and shrubs and whatnot uh, with Tim when he comes in. But Jessica, I hope that answers your question. It's uh, you know real simple thing, but uh, get out there and fertilize. It's time. And another question from Lauren from Wells. We're snowbirds and love your Kennebunk store. When is the store opening? And tell us about the new greenhouse that's, that went up last fall. Snowbirds, don't they leave really early? Uh, we started uh, construction on our new greenhouse in, uh, I guess it was October last year. Started kind of going in September, so maybe you got wind of it before we really got going. But uh, our southern store, Scarborough and Kennebunk, Mother Nature is uh, working in our favor now. Um, I'm not sure if we're, we're, we're on the verge of opening at this point, but check out our newsletter. It's a best way to know when those stores are going to open. I think Scarborough is going to open before Kennebunk this year, uh, which is was the opposite way last spring, um, just because we have to finish up the greenhouse and we have a little bit of work to do uh, around the yard, make sure all the footing surfaces are good and whatnot. And with this uh, later spring we've had than last year, uh, let's face it, we were in 80 degrees at this point uh, last year, and um, you know, Mother Nature's working in our favor now, but uh, uh, March was not friendly to us uh, this year. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll be opening as soon as we can, as soon as Mother Nature allows us. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Tim Lindsay and more from the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks on News Talk WLOB. <music> Do you have planting insurance? You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the Independent Garden Centers of Maine at maineigc.com. And welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Uh, we're excited this week. Uh, it's spring, finally. It's April. 
April showers bring May flowers and uh, beautiful trees starting to swell. They've been swelling all of all of March uh, with not a lot of frost in the ground. So we're going to bring Tim Lindsay in from Bartlett Tree Experts. Welcome. Welcome good morning, Tom. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Hey, uh, listen, I heard a, a rumor running around the uh, greenhouse there. You just had a birthday? I did. Well, happy belated birthday. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it was a big one, but, uh, you know, onward to the next big one, right? Absolutely. Just keep looking forward. Absolutely. Uh, you know, 40's the new 20, I hear. That's what I hear. I, I'm, I'm not acting 20, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tim, tell me a little bit about Bartlett Tree. I mean, uh, let's face it, you have customers all over the state of Maine, but... Uh, We've had a long-standing relationship, and and uh, tell me a little bit about what Bartlett Tree is, who you are, what you do. Well, it's a pretty loaded question. It I don't is. know if you have enough enough time here, but uh, pretty much we're out there managing our clients' properties, mm-hmm. and that includes shrubs and trees, and we're trying to keep them healthy and vigorous growing and uh, being preemptive in that uh, if we see signs of disease and or insects, address it with the appropriate products. Mm-hmm. And uh, as well as for those feature trees that are starting to go downhill, we have a new program where we can go in and do what's called root invigoration. And we can, uh, based on the soil samples sent from the, to the lab and their report, we can add organic material, the appropriate nutrients to the soil, and by incorporating all these things, it stimulates root development. Uh, in the same way you said 40 is the new 20, <laughs> well, things have changed. Right. We're now looking at the root system of trees, and we found that you keep the root system happy and healthy, the tree will follow. Absolutely. You know, with any plant, that's, that's the key. If you have happy roots, you have great leaves, big flowers, um, the plant just thrives consistently. Tell me a little bit now, you have a diagnostic lab at your disposal too, right? Absolutely. It's a, it's a research lab down in, in Charlotte, North Carolina. We've got four or five scientists down there that, that write a lot of... Um, reviews and, and articles for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, ISA does a lot of research with us as well. And what is ISA? International Society of Arboriculture. Uh, okay, okay. You know, trees are kind of one of those things that there are many things on the horizon that kind of are scary. You know, but without really being completely scared to death, I think the big thing is we've got to talk about making sure our trees are healthy. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to kind of preemptive work on plants along the way? From the time a tree is planted until it's 20 or 30 years old, there's a lot that should be done in there that customers aren't doing. Absolutely, and and that extends even further into the life of the tree. First and foremost, uh, it's a big taboo in your vocabulary as well as mine, over-mulching, that volcano mulch. Um, But... It starts with the right tree at the right place, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to know the, the culture of the tree, what it requires, and homeowners can pick your brain as well <laughs> as your people, and they can definitely help, help the homeowner select the right tree. As you know, most trees are planted in a hostile environment. Nothing is the way it was. That's right. And there's very little topsoil as well as organic material, so somehow we've got to encourage that root system again to develop, to mature and try to sustain the rest of the tree. Mm. Um, We can do that by adding organic material to the soil once it's been planted. Um, As far as the top of the tree, the the, the crown, I always like to say that those lower branches, depending on the species of the tree, are temporary. Absolutely. You don't don't see a mature tree with low branches. 
So it's okay to remove those and allow the tree to put the energy in the top of the tree. Uh, typically, we prune out dead branches, anything that's interfering, anything that has a cavity, that sort of thing, as well as we're trying to establish the shape or the structure of the tree for the future. It's kind of like uh, children having braces mm-hmm. to get the teeth all straight. You try to get those scaffolding branches established so that a sugar maple 50 years from now looks like a sugar maple and not a camper downhill. That's right. That's right. You know, I think it's important, too, that folks un- have to understand that the size tree that you start with, a lot of the work is done. You know, the larger the tree you buy and plant, the nurseries have hopefully done a good job of, of pruning. Um, they've limbed up some of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you start with a small five or seven gallon tree, a lot of that work has not been done. Right. Absolutely. Yes. You know, and so at what age do you think an arborist should start to get involved in doing some pruning on, in, in someone's yard? That, that's a great question um, because I'm seeing a lot of trees that have been in the ground for 20, 25 years and nothing has happened to them. And I'm trying to raise the flag and get people to in tune with this, but sometimes it just falls on deaf ears. I would suggest two or three years after the tree's in the ground, have an arborist come by, look at the tree. Uh, he should have a good understanding of what the future the shape of that tree is going to be. If it's a crab apple, low prostrate type, then then that's a different different type of pruning altogether. But a large shade tree, mm. um, you've got to start to get that thing established. Uh, many times trees are planted that have co-dominant leaders, right. and that's where you have those two leaders that shooting up for the sky, and 30, 40 years down the road, one half splits apart, now you've got a barren tree. Well, that's the time you can subordinate prune the weaker leader to the second part of the tree. And at first it might seem like there's a hole, but give it 10 or 15 years when the, the branches above that point start to fill out, you'll never even miss it. Right. Ultimately, the goal is to remove that less dominant uh, leader from the tree. Yeah, and, and the fact of the matter is at, at home, you know, it's very, very important that you understand if you spend a little bit money up front, the savings you're going to have in 20 or 30 or 40 years of, you know, having that tree split and having to pay thousands of dollars to have it removed. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a life of a, of a nice sugar maple should be 50, 60, 70, 100 years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know? that, and that's young for some sugar maples. Right. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about was plant diversity because – it's very, very interesting to me. You know, I'm sitting on the uh, tree committee for the Yar- town of Yarmouth, and we just have, have finally inventoried all our trees in the village and whatnot. And to see the amount of maple and ash and, you know, that a lot of towns are very heavy on specific things. And, you know, what what does that open up us up to? Well, if we look back in, in the history of arboriculture, especially across the country, we see what happened to the American elm. Absolutely. Disease came in, and uh, the insects carried the disease, and if that didn't take them out, the uh, roots were grafted together from trees within 40, 50 feet. And uh, so we need to get away from the monoculture. We need to have a good diversity of trees, not only in, in the towns for the street trees, but as well as the homeowner's uh, property as well. And that's where uh, the nurseries play a big role because uh, it's it's their job to figure out well, what do we want to bring in? What do we want to introduce? And and ask the right questions. Who's done the research? Right. What can I expect? The tough thing, I think, is getting information from customers. 
you know, because they see that nice sugar maple or red maple in the fall and they think, oh, I want that. Mm-hmm. When there are many other choices that give you great fall color texture and whatnot. I think it's important for folks to understand that there are other insects that are coming. Oh, yes. And yeah. What are we looking at? Well, presently, we already have the uh, hemlock woolly adelgid and winter moth. Just uh, a few weeks ago, I found out that it's in Cape Elizabeth, mm-hmm. the winter moth. And that can be an in- insect that's going to be very devastating to the to trees. I recently heard an entomologist say that, oh, it won't kill the tree if you lose all the leaves. Well, maybe not directly, but indirectly it can. Uh, I think later on we'll be talking about some of the stresses plants go through. But when a tree loses its leaves, whether it's winter moth, fall webworm, or the other caterpillars, defoliators, yep. the tree has to put on another flush of leaves. And in order to do that, it's going to draw upon the energy reserves that are in the root system of the tree, which weakens the tree. It's a one-way street. The energy goes in, and it does have that survival mode where it can do it for one or two years. But if you get clobbered with volcano mulching, Mm -hmm. improper planting, it's planted on ledge, we have a drought, that's going to weaken the tree and spiral it right into the grave. Yeah, yeah. I think plant health in general is is a really interesting topic that is becoming more and more of a conversation. You know, uh, the biggest thing at the garden center level that we try to make sure people understand is you planted this plant, but it still needs water. You know, July and August, you know, when it's hot and you want to go out on the back deck and have a cocktail, go out and water your trees. You know, that's what I tell people. You know, if you're hot and you want to have a cocktail and you want to enjoy, you know, sitting on your deck and looking out at the beautiful trees, well, maybe get the sprinkler out. You know, maybe maybe run some water on some of these things. That's the number one lifeblood to every plant. And the key is what you just said, use the sprinkler. Mm -hmm. Because if you're standing there with a cocktail in one hand and the hose in the other, um, your cocktail is going to be gone before that tree or plant gets enough water. Yeah, especially an established tree. Right. You know, you may be able to go ahead and do a newly planted tree, you know, because I like to do that while, you know. (laughs) (laughs) But I I understand what you're saying, you know, is on an established tree, you need slow, steady, soaking water. Um, And a lot of people just think, you know, when you get to midsummer, I'm done. Mm -hmm. I don't have to, you know, I got to water my annuals and a few perennials and a few shrubs that might be wilting, you know, but if something is wilting in your yard, your biggest plants need that also. Yeah. And there are some trees that, um, that will tattle on you Mm -hmm. and they're, they're, they're screaming for water, i.e. catsora, right. Shallow rooted tree, birch trees as well. So it's important to be in tune with your property and watch everything and not let your guard down during the the heat of the summer. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think at this point we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with more from Tim Lindsay uh, on The Joy of Gardening by Estbrooks on News Talk WLOB. The only thing you can be certain about is uncertainty, and that's why I want to introduce you and your family to Free Legacy Food a company that offers affordable and delicious emergency food with a shelf life of up to 25 years. Think about the disasters that have taken place over the last 10 years and how the government has dropped the ball over and over and over. Folks, you and your family's survival is your responsibility. Go to FreeLegacyFood.com, FreeLegacyFood.com. 
You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Holly Tone and Plant Tone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. We know you have lots of choices when buying plants and garden supplies. But wouldn't you rather come to someone at your local garden center where you know us and we know you? Someone who knows Maine soil, Maine's climate, and knows what plants will thrive here. Someone who will make sure you find what you're looking for here or at one of our other independent garden centers. We support each other and work together to satisfy you. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine at maineigc.com. And welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Uh, Tim Lindsay is here from Bartlett Tree Experts, and uh, we're talking plant health care. You know, what should we be doing to try to, you know, minimize stress on plants? What what can some folks do, not only through services you provide, but also, you know, some simple things that they might be able to do at home? We just talked about summer watering, you know. Um, it's important that people can do stuff along the way. Well, I would say, first of all, you start by knowing your plant material. Mm -hmm. And they can come to the nursery and interact with the staff, and they can ask, have all the questions answered. Not every plant needs a lot of water. Right. Um, what's interesting is too much water, not enough water, the end result, it looks the same. It, it, absolutely. I mean, we, we have that scenario, you know, we as a garden center have to kind of give people guidelines. Mm. Well, we always figure people are going to kind of do about half of what the guideline is because they don't really read or listen or, you know, it's just the way it is. And then you have those literal people who take it and measure out in gallons what they give this plant and, and different soils act differently, you know. Um, so overwatering, a lot of times we find that can be the case. Absolutely. Another point I wanted to make was plant stress. And I always used to like to use the analogy of going to the gym and working out. Mm -hmm. You've been there two or three hours. When you leave, you are under stress if you had a good workout. And everybody knows you're under stress right? because you give off a smell. Mm -hmm. In that same way, trees, when they're under stress, they give off a scent. And that draws in the insects, the boring insects, some defoliators. And that will cause the downhill spiral of the mm -hmm. tree. So it's, it's critical to alleviate the stress of the trees through proper tree, the right location, Proper watering. When you see an insect infestation starting, determine, is this going to reach that economic threshold? Meaning, is it going to be so ugly I can't look at it or it's going to kill it? Then you can decide if you need to apply an insecticide. If it's just a small aphid infestation, you might be able to get away with waiting another year as opposed to nuking it with, with some kind of 
pesticide, which most of us are trying to get away from that. Absolutely. No one likes to spray, but I think it's important that customers understand when you have a problem, don't be afraid to talk to your nursery, call a professional like yourself. You know, we're, we're more than willing to get out there and help, regardless of whether or not we provide a service or a product. It's really about having the conversation. And I think most people need to realize that when the homeowner calls Estabrooks, all they have to do is tell the the crew people what plant it is and the symptoms, and they'll nail it most cases. Yeah. They already know what's going on at that, that time of the year. And in this day and age with smartphones and digital cameras, we can get pictures sent to us yeah. so easily. And a lot of times we can diagnose things. We know what's going on. Mm-hmm. It's the same question time and time and time sure. again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so plant health care is something that I think customers need to be more in tune with, realize it's kind of, you know, at different times of year, you need to look out for different things. But talk to me about hiring, hiring a licensed arborist, because, you know, it's just like anything, you know, the quality of company that you use always determines an end result. Yes, it does. First and foremost, hire a licensed arborist to protect you, the homeowner. There are two types of licenses. There is a utility arborist and landscape arborist. Typically, your utility arborist license is for people that work for the power companies, mm-hmm. Central Maine Power and, and uh, Bangor Hydro. And some of the tree companies that do work for them, that's the license they require. Uh, for the landscape arborist license, that's for, for those of us that work on residential trees. Mm-hmm. And uh, the beauty of that is you can be assured that most people have an entry-level skill factor to do the tree work. And let's be honest, a lot of from that point on is hard knocks, Mm -hmm. learning as you go along the needs of trees and how to prune it appropriately. Absolutely. Now, the law in Maine requires, in order for you to be able to diagnose or recommend anything for a tree that you have the license, your landscapers can prune a tree as long as their feet are on the ground. Right. As soon as they get off the ground... They're, they're violating the law. Now, what should people ask for? My suggestion would be, number one, the license, so you know which one they have. Number two, proof of insurance. Mm-hmm. And I always like to, uh, when I talk this talk with my clients, ask them the question, if you were an insurance agent, would you insure me to drive the car if I didn't have a driver's license? That's a no-brainer. Right. Okay? Um, but they may take the, uh, the dividends and say thank you very much until there's a claim. That's right. All right? So the point is making sure somebody has valid insurance. And if you have a group of people on the property, make sure everyone is covered by workers' comp. Okay? Absolutely. All right? Because there's, there's a number of people out there, and they're good arborists that are contract arborists, where you get a group in there. And like I said, they're good. But my concern is... Who's going to pay if somebody gets hurt? Absolutely. And it, and it will fall back on the homeowner. Absolutely. Because it did happen on their property. Mm-hmm. And the homeowner's insurance does not cover that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important for people to understand is it's probably good to have a conversation with your insurance agent, too, mm-hmm. just to, you know, let them know that, hey, I'm going to be having a, you know, and what would you require? you know, from from a company that's coming on to our site to make sure that everybody's good. Um, you know, I think we all get tied up in, in, I've got a tree problem, I've got to get this done, and, you know, the tree, a big limb has fallen down and someone comes, knocks on the door. You know, resist, 
Do your due diligence. I think it's very important. It's the same thing if you hire a landscape contractor to do a patio, basically. You should be asking the same types Mm -hmm. of questions and whatnot also. Hiring a licensed arborist is something that most customers don't think about. You know, but it's very important that you may have a contractor that you work very closely with. They may be able to prune a lot of things in your yard, but when it comes to larger trees, they usually have a licensed arborist they they work with a lot of times. Yes. Um, You know, so again, same thing. You know, even though you're hiring your local landscaper who you've got a 20-year relationship with, make sure you understand who they're hiring to do a subcontract job. You know, let's talk a little bit, Tim, about ticks and mosquitoes. Because cool. this, this is a hot-button issue. Um, you were able to come help me last year. I had a very bad problem in my yard. And, and tell, tell me a little bit about what we should be doing. What are the, the concerns of ticks and mosquitoes and, and uh, what we need to be thinking about? Well, that's right. I remember it was for a wedding, as I yes, recall. Yes, it was. Okay. Congratulations Thank again. Thank you. Um, well, there's, a, there's, a, boy, there's a, a lot of ways I can go with this. First of all, you can focus on making your property tick-proof. Get rid of the, the, the environment that ticks thrive on. They need moisture. If you have a lot of vegetation that's all over the place, you're going to find the ticks there. A wood pile is where the mice are going to habitate, and that's where the disease starts mm-hmm. with mice. Get, eliminate that. Uh, a lot of shade on the turf area. Thin out some of the trees. Get the sun in there to dry it out. Water is crucial for ticks. And uh, you may find them in a sunny area, but they're not going to last long. Mm-hmm. So make it hostile to them. If you're in an area where you do know there's ticks, uh, a, a favorite trick is to put a three-foot-wide strip of bark mulch or wood chips at the edge of the lawn and, and the wooded area. That way there, the kids know there's ticks beyond you. It's a reminder. Yep. Okay. Now the big question is organic or synthetic. As we were talking earlier, there's really no right or wrong answer on that. It's, it's the needs of the client. Have they found the silver bullet for organics? I'm not sure that they have, but they're looking. They're diligently looking because uh, we want to go organic as much as we can. There are time and a place for the synthetics, yep. and it, it's dependent upon the needs and the requirement of the clients, i.e., a big wedding coming up or, or a big bash or a party. People don't want any mosquitoes. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you've got a risk and reward, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, you may have a bunch of kids, they, they're they playing in the backyard, but what's worse, making an application of an insecticide that's going to take care of the mosquitoes and the, and the ticks so that they don't have that exposure, right. you know. So maybe doing that application and letting them play in the front yard for a, a week and then put them back, and then I'm sure you'll come back and do – a spray in the back and then come back and do a spray in the front. If you know, Working with clients to meet their needs is, is always important. Yes, it is. Unfortunately, there's a big uh, dark cloud overhanging the word synthetic. Absolutely. And everybody's mind goes back to DDT. Well, truth be known, we're like five or six generations away from DDT. Mm-hmm. And they have found those organic uh, pesticides that work. And they, they synthesize it. That's all they do. Right. They tweak the electrons a little bit so that it lasts longer. Mm-hmm. Tweak it another way, and, it, and now it, they can, it has a different application. The, the products that we're using, most people, let it dry two or three hours. Right. And if you feel comfortable, wait four hours, and then you can enter the area. Right. In most cases, our applicators, they're applying this day in, day out, and 
we're not finding any issues. Right. Uh, the industry, you may remember this. You were just a wee guy when this <laughs> happened. Back in the 70s, there was a big scare. And the Board of Pesticide developed their their program, and the uh, pesticide companies developed theirs. And that's where plain health care first came into effect, Right. that term. And uh, so now they've they've weaned out a lot of the problem products like Dersban and right and all and that diazonol yeah 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 and so we're we're relatively safe it's very important i think people understand we don't like to spray and we're constantly looking for new solutions to Mm -hmm. spray less and you know even less product you know um because it's expensive it's not only expensive expensive for you as a customer um but it's also expensive as a company to keep up with all the regulations and whatnot and a, and and a good company has all of those things in place absolutely yeah. yes on another note the organics as long as people are willing to reduce their expectations they work right and you and you do with organics have to make probably multiple sprays in the same time frame as a synthetic. Right. It just doesn't last quite as long. Right. So I always like to talk with customers about that, you know, risk to reward. And, it, you know, I have a tough time sometimes with some of the organics because if I have to make three sprays of an organic product, is that necessarily safer than one spray of synthetic? I'm not sure because I don't have necessarily – the research and science behind the organics at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as soon as we get more science behind the organics, I think we're all going to find there are going to be a bunch of products that work well for us. Oh, absolutely. Everybody's searching for those those silver bullets. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Tim, I'd like to thank you for coming on today. Um, well, you thank know, you. It was my pleasure. You know, we've, we've really learned a lot about plant health care, about all the issues that are going on in our yard with trees and what preventative things we can do. I want to make sure everybody understands, you know, where, where Tim, can can people reach you at? Do you have a website or? Well, you can go online, uh, Bartlett Tree Expert, and find us there. Okay. We're out of Scarborough in the phone book. Okay. Um, and where do you kind of work from? Kittery up to Booth Bay. Okay. So you you cover it all? Absolutely. I'm amazed, Tom, how small the world has gotten. Absolutely. We have to travel to the customer. We have to make sure that everyone is taken care of and... Uh, Have a good spring. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and good luck. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. has a special announcement for northbound drivers who routinely take I-295's Exit 15 in Yarmouth. Stop taking Exit 15. I repeat, stop taking exit 15. It's not your exit anymore. It was your exit once, but not now. Forget about northbound exit 15. Exit 15 is not for you. Actually, Maine DOT is adding a brand new on-ramp there, and to do that safely and quickly, closing exit 15 is required starting March 12th. So if you're driving northbound on Interstate 295 and headed for Route 1 in Yarmouth, take exit 10 in Falmouth or exit 17. Temporary traffic signals will make taking those alternate exits safe and convenient. You can take exit 15 southbound, but just forget all about exit 15 northbound, at least until June. Sometime in June, you can take exit 15 then. Take it all you want. Exit 15 will be yours once again. A message from Maine DOT. There's better road ahead. Drive safely. Do you have planting insurance? 
You can with Biotone Starter Plus from Mespoma. It's the ultimate starter plant food, and you can use it for everything you plant. Just mix it in with the soil. It works like three products in one to guarantee your success, even in poor soils. The secret is a special blend of natural organic plant food, beneficial microbes, and mycorrhizal fungi. The result is that plants grow faster, roots grow deeper, and flowers and vegetables become more abundant. Maintain your plants with the Tones, a full line of organic plant foods including Holly Tone, Plant Tone, and Rose Tone. There's a tone for almost every tree, shrub, flower, or vegetable. Best of all, every Espoma product is safe for people, pets, and the environment. Look for Biotone Starter Plus at your local garden center and visit espoma.com slash videos for product info and valuable gardening tips. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening. Uh, wow, what a great topic of discussion with Tim Lindsay from uh, Bartlett Tree Experts. You know, I, I just want to make sure customers understand. Uh, I'm not a proponent of spraying. I like I like organics. I I want to make sure that everybody understands that no one in our industry likes to spray. But there's there's a a threshold in which organics will or won't work. There is a threshold where plants need something like a customer taking antibiotics for an infection. It's the same type of similar situation. You know, so when you think about it, um, you know, there is a threshold and working with good quality nurseries, you know, and working with good quality contractors that can diagnose the problems correctly will limit the exposure that we all have and limit what we have to do in our environment. So, it's very important to me that we all work together to come up with the right answer and the right product at the right time, which is the goal that we all have, whether it be synthetic or organic. Um, organics are always our first choice, and then we go to synthetics if we can't cure the problem. Um, so certainly love to have some questions. Um, you know, you can submit them on the website, or certainly we're going to be going live on uh, April 27th, you can call into the station. Uh, we'll be giving you the number along the way, um, you know, so you can call in. We'll kind of go back and forth about some of these issues. We'll talk about what you can do at what times. Um, it's going to be a great way for you to get your questions answered along through the growing season. And, uh, you know, my hope is that we're able to bring in nice guests like Tim and have him answer some questions also. So it's not just going to be information coming directly from me. It will be bringing in other guests and other specialties. So, you know, look out and keep tabs on what type of topics we might be carrying in the following week uh, so that we'll be able to, you know, key in on some questions that you might have like plant health care on trees or maybe it's, you know, specific garden problems on perennials or, you know, so we'll be trying to draw in some of these specialists in other areas of the horticultural industry and, and you know, necessarily golf courses or, or whatnot. If there are topics you'd like covered, please don't hesitate to submit them to our website, estabrooksonline.com backslash radio. Um, we're going to kind of take another question here, um, and this one here is from Josh from Portland, 
Um, I have a fire pit in my backyard and want to plant around it. What can I use and how close can I plant? Well, it's a tough question. Fire is obviously very hot. That's obvious. You know, so my suggestion is go ahead and put a fire in there and really do the maximum fire you would you would put in. You know, um, obviously you want to stay safe. So, you know, get that stoked up to the point of where it's as hot as you normally would ever get it. And then take some bamboo stakes and walk towards the fire pit. As soon as you feel heat, any type of heat, stick that stake in the ground. Go all the way around your fire pit in a 365-degree angle. And I think what you'll find is that is probably the closest you can plant something in the ground. And maybe you have a patio around it um, or some flagstones and whatnot. Um, you know, so you've got to stay away a fair distance. And I always like to plan for the biggest scenario, and then we'll work to the smallest. So, but what I do want to let you know is you can use a bunch of plants in containers. So take a bunch of plants, whether it be annuals, perennials, shrubs, trees, whatever. You can put them in containers, and that way when you have a fire, you can move them farther away. So you can make your environment, when you're not using the fire pit, attractive. You know, let's face it, it's 90 degrees on a summer day. You're out there entertaining, get the barbecue going. You want it to look attractive. And, you you know, the you don't necessarily probably want the fire pit to be the focal point when it doesn't have a fire in it. So you could take some nice containers. You could set one up on the edge, maybe some down around the base. Um, and, and that will kind of camouflage and break it up and add some color. Um, and then when you get ready to, to start a fire, maybe, you know, late afternoon, early morning, uh, early uh, evening, um, go ahead and, and uh, just move those farther away you've already done your work of knowing where you can place those plants because you did the whole stake trick and that will give you the boundaries in which you have to have to work with now everyone has to know that though you know um you don't go away and you know somebody comes over to watch watches the house and uh starts a fire with your plants right next to it that might might not turn out well so you know always make sure and and you know educate everybody about the fire pit if you have plants close to it um obviously the plants will not like to be scorched it'll it'll really ruin ruin your day uh when it comes to that type of stuff so that's kind of you know with fire pits um you know maybe it's a gas fire pit you can probably be a lot closer you know because it's not giving off as much heat you know then again maybe you're using just decorative burn logs you're not you know really stoking it up so that's why it's important to kind of do that test you know to make sure that you could probably put plants a lot closer. Now, if your fire pit is elevated, you know, and it's quite tall, 
you may be able to put nice ground covers in in between stone or something like that you know um which you know might get a, an ember once in a while but it you know not going to be an issue if you have a nice flagstone type patio uh, with nice crevices you know you could use maybe some of the jeepers creepers ground covers might be a nice thing um you know but stay low and tight to the ground um that might be another option also uh, but fire pits are something that we're finding here, there, everywhere. Maybe you have a uh, what they call a chiminea, which is a actual small little fireplace on a stand. Um, you know, again, same type of situation. I have one of those on my deck, and uh, I put a couple nice glazed pots with annuals next to it. And when I'm going to have a nice little little uh, you know evening uh, burn. Uh, I'll just go ahead and, and move them away so that, you know, it doesn't scorch anything. But um, always be cautious about placement of a chiminea. Um, they want to be 8 to 10 feet away from the house minimum. Uh, never any type of roof above head, obviously. And, um, you know, I I like to make sure not to put a lot of wood down through the top of the chiminea. That tends to put flames 6 or 8 feet out of the top of it always feed it from the uh, front side uh, but those are come in all different types whether they be ceramic or metal or whatnot and always be cautious of the kids too um, you know those do get quite warm and they stay warm for quite some time afterwards so having some containers that you can kind of put out farther away that keep everybody away from it isn't a bad idea either well I'd like to thank Josh for that question uh, I think that's something that you know a lot of people don't really uh, talk about you know as far as how close you can get to some of these fire pits and let's face it they're being put in all over the place so i think at this point we'll take uh one more question and uh, this is from tom in yarmouth actually wow imagine that um what do you need to do to get your lawnmower ready for the season and should you hire a contractor to come pick it up and service it? Well, it, I think depends completely on your skill level. There's a couple things that I, I always take advantage and do myself because I think it's fairly simple. Um, I always uh, sharpen my own blades. Um, blades should be sharpened at least a couple times a year, um, depending on how many rock sticks, acorns, uh, whatever you choose stumps to mow over um, let's face it we're harsh on our lawnmower I'm no shy person when it comes to using my lawnmower and using it aggressively um, I mow very long grass with it um, I always mow it at least three inches or higher uh, except for late fall um, so make sure and mow your lawn get it up uh, high, leave your lawn high, but um, what I would recommend is that might be a simple thing for you to do. Now, it depends on your skill level and whether or not you feel comfortable, but uh, changing the oil is usually not hard. Um, it's usually not one of those things that, that takes a lot of expertise. Uh, usually very good directions in the owner's manual. If you don't have the owner's manual, um, look up online. That's the wonderful thing about Google and Bing and all these other search engines is most owner's manuals for a lot of these um, older mowers and tractors and, and whatnot are available fairly easily online. Um, I had a problem with mine last year, and I was able to pull up the, the owner's manual, and uh, 
had had that nick of time. So um, and and the folks at the service stations, you know, you know, someone like Chad Little or the Kubota dealers or um, you know, many many small companies uh, do work on your equipment. What I want to tell you is. You know, routine maintenance is going to save you a fair amount of money also, you know. So maybe it's not every year you bring it in. Um, you know, you do some maintenance every other year. Um, but a major checkup isn't a bad thing, you know. Um, getting in there and cleaning out the, the crevices. I know on my lawnmower, I've got a nice little John Deere tractor. And, uh, you know, what happens is a lot of the grass gets in around the belts where the mower deck works. And it gets quite hot in there. And every so often I want to go in and clean it out because it's a 90-degree day. I'm out there in August, and I'm mowing the lawn, and all of a sudden my tractor starts smoking. And it's not because it's on fire. It's because the grass is starting to get warm in there. So, you know, washing off those mower decks, um, getting in there and cleaning the best you can. Um, Always be safe, though. Make sure the lawnmower is off. Make sure nothing is stuck in the lawnmower. Never put your hands in around the blades. Never. Especially if you think something is caught in there. The last thing, it's kind of that snowblower type scenario where, yeah, there's a bunch of snow stuck in there and you stick your hand in there and then the teeth release. Well, the same thing can happen, uh, you know, with, with a lawnmower. So very important to kind of just, you know, I know this is all common sense type of stuff, but... It's something that constantly needs to be kind of addressed and and be careful about. So make sure and use a a good qualified service center for your lawnmower, no matter what make or model um, you know you have. Uh, you know, periodically having some good tune up to it will make your equipment last a lot longer. Um, I think. That will help you out. It will make sure your equipment doesn't break down. Don't wait. You know, let's face it. It's April 6th. We're getting late for you to start maintaining some of this stuff. You know, um, if you want a good time is always drop it off earlier. The companies have more time to work on things. You know, it's the same thing when you go towards snow season. And I know I don't want to talk about it because we're just getting into spring, but maybe the time to service your snowblower is when you're done with snow and then they deliver it back so consider that um we're gonna take uh you know and do the tip of the week now um we're gonna wrap up the show it's been a very very good saturday morning and uh you know we're gonna do the tip of the week which is brought to you by the maine landscape and nursery association melna.org a great place to uh Find your professionals in in the horticulture and landscaping industry. But the tip of the week this uh, week is um, pruning, fertilizing, and plant health care. Um, you know, we talked with Tim a lot about that today, and it's very important that people understand you can do a very little, very little along the way and make sure that you don't have a huge job down the road. Please come in and talk to us about your choices. I know you come into the garden center and we're like a candy store. 
you come in and you see all this beautiful flowering stuff and you see these big beautiful trees and you know wonderful perennials and annuals have a simple conversation with us about where you want to plant some of this stuff because plant citing a plant putting it in the right spot is the first part to plant health care doesn't matter how well you treat it doesn't matter how much fertilizer how many insects you you know are able to abort over the life of the of the um, plant if we didn't plant it in the right spot the first time we'll either be moving it or the plant will be stressed or not happy so that simple question of what is the proper conditions for this plant now that ranges in a wide difference of plants obviously but very very in interesting is plants are adaptable in a lot of instances but have a nice conversation with us that will make them long-lived they will survive much better and thrive and you know it they will by doing some simple pruning along the way by doing some simple care they'll hold up better to our winters with snow and ice you know and you won't lose your investment when they get mature you know especially with shade trees and larger trees like tim was talking about simple pruning along you know along the time frame and i a good general guide is about five years in five years in from the time you plant a tree it's going to need its first major pruning to set that tree up for the next five ten fifteen twenty years and you know probably every five to ten years we're going to need to do some more but this is the tip of the week I'd like to thank you for listening this week. Um, we're going to be going live on April 27th. Uh, so please look forward to that. Um, submit questions at estherbrooksonline.com and enjoy your Saturday morning. I know I certainly will. Hope to see you in the Garden Center. So get out there and have fun. Enjoy your garden. Tune in every week from 7 to 8 a.m. at WLOB 1310 a.m and wlobradio.com to pick up the podcast visit us at estabrooksonline.com and uh, enjoy your week we hope to see you next week